I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome in to this episode of the La Liga Lowdown podcast, also rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm your host Jim McTeer, we've got lots of great contributions coming up, we'll get on to Real Madrid's dramatic win over Real Betis, we've got a fuming Paco Pollock to tell us about Valencia, there's a discussion with Elche fan Neil Parsons coming up too, but we'll start with the biggest story of the Spanish football week, Luis Suarez's move to Atletico Madrid. The Uruguayan has left Barcelona after six years at the Camp Nou after becoming their third top scorer of all time. And he's staying in La Liga because he's joined Atletico. It wasn't the most amicable split of all time, with Suarez clearly not pleased with the way he's been kicked out. Messi isn't happy either, and he let everyone know with a post on Instagram. It's a divorce, but for now, both parties can feel justified. They can feel like they've proved a point that's because Barcelona thrashed Villarreal 4-0 without Suarez and because on the same day Atletico put together a 6-1 win over Granada with Suarez coming off the bench to assist one and score two. The Luis Suarez era at Atletico Madrid has well and truly begun. It was an incredible start to the season for Suarez and for Atletico Madrid. 6-1 it was. I repeat, 6-1. A real demonstration of class and as much as Suarez grabbed the headlines, special praise must also go to Jao Felix. This was admittedly against a weak in Granada side because their biggest matches right now are their Europa League qualifiers taking place on Thursdays as they aim to make it to the groups. But congrats to Atletico for signing one of the best strikers in La Liga history and for starting 2020-2021 so well. Congrats also to Barcelona and to Ronald Koeman, who have also launched their 2020-21 season in style. It was 4-0 to the Catalan side against Villarreal on Sunday night, and all four of those goals came in the first half. Let's bring in our man in Barcelona, Roman de Arquer, now to discuss it. And Roman, was this big win surprising for you to see after all of the drama we've seen at Barcelona off the pitch in the past few weeks? Yeah, it's definitely a massive surprise to to see Barcelona beat Villarreal 4-0. Um, I did think Barca might have a chance of winning, but I didn't expect such a uh, massive scoreline in, in their favour, of course. 
but I wouldn't be too confident on this game because I just uh, think Villarreal is a team that Barca has ease to play against as we saw last season for example and I really want to see how this team can perform against another side which uh, closes down their lines much more which is more compact which is more defensive and to see if really Barca can break through uh, those tight spaces so that will be the real challenge it's definitely a good result it's definitely a positive thing for fans who have been going through a lot of ups and downs especially lots of downs uh, this summer but uh, let's be cautious there's still a long way to go and we have to see how this team can play in different scenarios Hmm, that's a good point about how they did have a good win against them last year too and couldn't replicate that against other sides let's talk about Koeman's tactics what changes did you notice from the Dutchman that really stood out to you? Well, we talk about uh, Koeman's uh, tactics. I think we have to point out the new formation he's brought to Barcelona with that 4-2-3-1 with uh, Sergi Busquets and Frenkie de Jong right in front of the defence. Then a line of three with Ansu Fati on the left, Griezmann on the right and Coutinho uh, with that number 10 position. And then up front we'd have Leo Messi, who's more actually like a... A false number nine where he has all that freedom he's always had uh, with other managers being capable of moving around and finding those spaces where he can generate more and create more danger and then also I'd like to point out Coutinho's new position with Kuman because with other managers in previous seasons we'd seen him more in a midfield role he was very uncomfortable in but uh, in this game with um Kuman's formation he was really comfortable he was capable of generating a lot in attack uh, being creative he had a lot of confidence and you can tell he's so much more uh, comfortable in his new role and then also I liked in terms of the the um, fullbacks with Jordi Alba in this case who was very very deep very incisive on that left wing and generating a lot of danger and as a matter of fact uh, a few goals came uh, from uh, Jordi Alba's uh, attacking positions and on the other hand Sergio Roberto wasn't as deep because he was moving into the midfield instead of going out wide combining uh, with other players in that um, middle position which was curious to see and he was letting Griezmann have uh, the width if he wanted to to make use of that so those are a few changes that Kuman has brought in and are very interesting to, to point out. Looking into the future do you think that lineup you just explained is Barcelona's new Onfe de Gala that that Spanish term for a team's best 11 except of course for the injured Ter Stegen coming back for NATO. Yeah, it certainly could be uh, Kuman's uh, starting 11 for important games this season. Although there might be a few changes. I think, uh, for example, uh, Pjanic, if he finally adapts, he will uh, prove tough competition for uh, Sergio Busquets. So that could be one of the changes because in this game, Busquets did make a lot of mistakes, missed some um, simple passes and gave up some dangerous um, positions to to Villarreal by losing the ball. So, I mean, uh, depending on what level we see of Busquets, who we all know is a very hardworking player, very um, important for all the managers who come in. But if Pjanic finds his, his comfort zone and manages to adapt himself, he could uh, be a starter instead of Busquets and the other position, I think, which is in doubt, of course, is that right wing. After selling Semedo, uh, now Sergio Roberto has taken uh, that position once again as a starting right back. But, but sorry, if Serginho Dest finally comes in, who's very likely apparently to come from Ajax, then of course he should be the starter, at least in the long term. We'll see if if it takes a bit of time for him to adapt to Kuban's system and to get the trust of the manager, but they're bringing him in with the intention of, of starting him, of course. 
Now, all eyes were obviously on Messi and he did score a penalty and Koeman gave him a lot of freedom. What do you expect from Messi this season? I expect him to do what he does best, which is to score goals, to give assists and to please the fans. You know, he's, he's the best player in the world for a reason. And I mean, since he's been here at the club, he's always given his 100%. And despite all that's gone on uh, during the summer with, with the board, etc., wanting to leave, I just don't think he's going to underperform. He's going to uh, let himself go in any way. You know, he still wants to be the best. He still wants to to play at the highest level and I don't think he's going to disappoint the team or the fans because he's a Kule himself he's always said it he's very passionate about this club uh, despite who's in charge and I expect from him the best as he's always provided uh, to us since he's been here at the team and what about Ansu Fati two goals the man of the match in most people's eyes although not officially because the La Liga man of the match award is sponsored by Budweiser and Fati couldn't be named because well he's underage um, it's just unbelievable how good this kid is. Does it almost remind you of when you saw Messi coming through into the first team 15 years ago? Well, as a matter of fact, I think I might even be more surprised with Ansu Fati than I was back then with Leo Messi. Of course, I was younger and maybe I saw football in a different way. But now what Ansu Fati is doing is just so credible, you know. I mean, um, he could have scored a hat-trick in this game against Villarreal um, if he'd taken the penalty. But he left it to Leo Messi, of course, is the man in charge of that. And he would have become the youngest player to score a hat-trick in La Liga. And that's just an impressive stat. It didn't happen, of course. But... It was just so close and and those two goals were fantastic and all over, you know, during the whole game he was unstoppable for uh, Mario Gaspar who had no chance against Ansu Fati and this kid's just so bright and you think um, maybe this time he's not going to impress as much but he just somehow finds a way to do it again and I mean Barca have such an incredible future with Ansu Fati they have to take care of him and he can provide so much hopefully for, for a long, long time. Thank you, Roman, for that analysis there of Barcelona's first match and first win of the season. Let's move on now to our sore throat game of the week. This is one match per round where there was a lot of excited commentary and we take a look at it. We already heard some brief commentary from Suarez's first Atletico goal, but now we're going to go more in-depth by bringing you the sounds of Osasuna 1, Levante 3. A really fun game played out on Sunday. Here's Sam Leverage to talk us through that one. Osasuna began the 2020-21 season, their centenary year, with their first game back at the new look El Sadar. And it was a big occasion for Osasuna. They've been waiting for this remodelling work on their stadium to be complete so they could move back into the stadium after two away games to kick off the season. And they got off to a dream start late on in the first half when it was Roberto Torres who scored a magnificent goal. It was plain and simple, direct, route one, straight from goalkeeper Sergio Herrera. With just a few touches, it was Roberto Torres who stuck it into the back of the net, as Carousel Deportivo tell us. Sergio Herrera, la peina de cabeza Jonathan Caleri que para esto ha venido, para ganarlas por arriba, el balón en la frontal para Roberto Torres que no se lo piensa y de un zurdazo. And as they say, that's just what Jonathan Cagliari had come into the side for. He's come in to win those balls high up the pitch to be the target man and he did just that. But it wasn't enough and Levante reacted magnificently without a win in their only game so far this season in the derby against Valencia. 
they weren't going to settle for another defeat and they hit back and it was that man Morales who produced some magic to help them to score the equaliser with Gonzalo Madero converting. Movistar, tell us all about that goal here. Morales, Melero Morales jugando de Morales, Melero jugando de Melero y así llega el tanto el Levante. And it was exactly that. It was Morales being Morales and Melero being Melero and that was what gave Levante the equaliser and they had a penalty it was a handball by Raul Navas on the edge of the box he had a torrid afternoon and was taken off early by his coach but Sergio Herrera really had to be at his best tonight Roger Marti from giving Levante the lead and it was a magnificent penalty save being sports covered that and just couldn't believe what a fantastic save it was from the goalkeeper Melero da la orden va Roger Marti Roger que va a golpear parador excepcional it was just that from Sergio Herrera, our paradon exceptional, an exceptional save to deny Roger Marti. But he couldn't do the same again in open play, as it was Jose Gomez Campaña who threaded the ball through, split the defence, and Roger Marti didn't need a third chance. He converted this time and gave Levante the lead. As Movistar say, he couldn't score from the penalty spot, but he could in open play. Roger Martin, his first appearance of the season and getting a goal already despite that penalty miss. And he didn't stop there either. Late on, he again turned into the provider, setting up the man who provided the other assist, Jose Luis Morales, with a fantastic pass into him. And Morales duly converted to seal the win for Levante. As Cope explained there, it was that deadly duo, Roger Marti and Jose Luis Morales, who tore Osasuna apart, particularly in that second half, with a fantastic display to seal the three points for Levante. As for Osasuna, a bit more frustrating. Coach Rogoba or Arasate spoke after the game, saying that his team needed to play to the limit. They needed to wake up or they're going to have a complicated season ahead. After that performance, it certainly looked like it. Thank you, Sam. And that brings us to the end of part one of this episode. But stay tuned, because after the break, we move on to Real Madrid. That's coming up in a few ticks. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We've heard how Barcelona won their first game of the season. Their big rivals Real Madrid, meanwhile, they'd already played one match and they'd drawn at Real Sociedad last weekend. This time out, though, they picked up their first win. But it wasn't easy. They visited Real Betis, who cancelled out Fede Valverde's early goal to lead 2-1 at one point. But Emerson, he was so unlucky. He scored an own goal and got sent off as the last man before a penalty was given against Mark Bartra for a handball that handed Sergio Ramos the chance to score the winner. Of course, he took it. That's 22 penalties in a row that he's now scored. To discuss this game, let's bring in Real Madrid fan Hassan Karim. And it was a 3-2 win, Has, but this really wasn't easy for Real Madrid, was it? Historically, Zidane doesn't do well against Betis. If you look at the record officially prior to this game, in the eight games that they played each other, he has three wins, three defeats and two draws. And in the last four games, he has just one win against them. So that shows that he's not really always up to the task when it comes to Betis. They're a bit like a bogey side for him. Uh, and this season, you know, they look revitalised compared to last year. You know, a new, new coach. And he's, he's given them new life as Mr. Manuel Pellegrini. You know, he's, uh, he's got them playing really fluid attacking football. They look really threatening going forward. And looking stronger at the back than they have done in, in, in uh, recent seasons. So it was always going to be a, a tricky fixture for Real, especially given the fact that they only had essentially a very, very minuscule pre-season. I mean, most of the stars have only played literally 45 minutes of pre-season and it has shown in the, you know, the last two games. They look leggy and they look tired at times and there's definitely a lack of cohesion across the field. Um, Betis did well to exploit Madrid's weakness in midfield. They stretched them and then attacked Casemiro down the middle, who you could, you could clearly see was lacking match fitness. He grew into the game eventually, but you could see he was definitely weakened to start with. Um, and just generally across the field, Madrid still look like they are finding their way and finding their rhythm. And it's something that I, I expected given the complete lack of pre-season. Has, what did you think about Zidane's change in formation with Benzema and Luka Jovic both up top together for this one? Throughout his managerial career, Zidane has always been a man of mystery. Like, you never quite know what's going to come from him. He's always played his cards close to his chest. You know, whether that's in the pre-match press conferences, you know, or even just naming his, his matchday squad. It can always be a complete surprise. You never quite know exactly what's coming with Zizou. And that showed prior to the Betis game, you know, all throughout the press conferences, he kept talking up about how Hazard is almost back to his, you know, complete fitness and then doesn't even name it within his squad. Um, and, you know, he had been discussing the idea of, you know, Jovic featuring up top with Benzema and then being able to play together. But usually you don't always expect him to bring Jovic to the fore because he's used him so sparingly in his time. Um, and generally speaking, they played well together, Benzema and Jovic. It took a little bit of teething time, but eventually you found they were starting to connect and find themselves on the same wavelength after a bit. 
the change of formation was also a real big positive because we saw from the first game against La Real that there was something missing and there was something that needed to change. It's quite evident that Zidane is changing the way that the team plays and being far more direct with the passing game. And that's going to take time for them to implement, especially given there was no pre-season, as I mentioned before. Yeah, I agree that Jovic and Benzema actually worked kind of well. Jovic wasn't great individually, but he was able to occupy the Betis defence to then allow Benzema to go off and do his thing in various corners of the pitch. But what do you think of Jovic's situation in general? Can he succeed? Can he make it at Real Madrid? Jovic is a really strange case because while he's, we've seen that he has got you know absolutely lethal ability in front of the net, um, he's always going to have this big problem of being compared to Benzema. And Benzema has always been a special case in the way that he comes, drops deep, you know, the way he is on the ball, almost like a midfield attacking midfielder. He's just such a, a unique profile to play that anyone that's coming in to succeed him or play alongside him is always going to have a really hard job. Um, and, we, and we're seeing Jovic struggle with that. He's a different kind of player. He's much more predatory. He's much more a guy that likes to sit in the box and get on the end of things. You know, he plays better, you know, when he's got a big player alongside him to, um, you know, have the ball knocked off and things like that. We saw that at Frankfurt with Alaire and how he played really well off of Alaire. I don't know if he's got that kind of relationship with Benzema just yet. Maybe it's something that needs to develop or maybe it's something that won't come at all because it's not the same profile between Alaire and Benzema. Um, but his situation's a hard one to, to really gauge because whilst we know the potential's there, is he going to get enough game time to string together the performances needed to show that potential? That's ultimately what's proved to be the stumbling block and will continue to do that. Consistency is what he really needs, but will he find it is the question. Thank you, Haas, for that insight. Let's move on with the matchday recap now. And I think it's about time we checked in on Paco Pollock. His beloved Valencia, they didn't lose this weekend, but it wasn't pretty against newly promoted Tuesca as they drew 1-1 at home. So let's get the lowdown from Valencia. You must be concerned, Paco with the way that Huesca not only drew, but were the better team and probably deserved to win the game. You know, I believe it's our duty towards La Liga Lowdown loyal listeners to try and be as unbiased as possible in any assessment, even if it might anger both the board and a bunch of fans here and there. Well, I think concern isn't the word to describe the current state of affairs inside Valencia. The club has lost its moral, sport and managerial compass, and that translates straight to the pitch. Against Huesca, Valencia were the small, insignificant side, absolutely rampaged by a team which might not have big names in their squad, but definitely have a plan, a strategy somebody steering the ship from the executive box. Valencia missed all of that. Javi Gracia's face actually was the perfect mirror picture of how in shambles his team looked, and it's not his fault, nor his players' fault. They have been sent to the front lines to die in the battle without the proper equipment in this fight. Apart from goalkeeper Jaume Dominic, did any Valencia player have a good game? Yes, they did. It wasn't an absolute disaster because of individual performances, but it was just that the whole team lacked the spirit, the quality, the faith to try and at least deliver a decent game. I believe Kondogbia was the best player throughout the 90 minutes. I also liked Udos Rasic quite a bit more than Esquerdo, who was in their starting lineup in the first two games. And by the way, Rasic extended his contract this weekend till 2024 with a 150 million euros buyout clause. But saving a couple of field players and the keeper, Chaume Domenech, 
the rest of the team was very, very disappointing. Rasik was good, yeah, one to watch as you pointed out in an article up on LaLigaLowdown.com along with a lot of other written content from the La Liga Lowdown team. But Paco, looking in general, this Valencia squad just lacks something, doesn't it? Is it the worst Valencia squad you can remember? The worst? Well, definitely yes. Um, Peter Lim is already walking the path of destruction that many of us tried to alert people about in the last few seasons by weakening the first team in such a way that from a pure mathematical point of view you have sold or let go for free up to five starting players Parejo, Rodrigo, Coquelin, Ferran and Pixini and no single transfer has come in to replace them. It's pure madness in my view. We're talking about half of a starting lineup gone and absolutely zero replacements in line. And you've alluded to it but just how angry are the fans right now? I have to say that anger is slowly transforming into sheer depression. Valencia fans have been suffering blow after blow after blow for 12 months now, starting with Marcelino sacking, later when Matteo Alemán was sacked slash left also, and ending with all of the player sales this summer. There are people angry, of course, lots of fans, but the general feeling is more similar to fear, because we've seen in the past example of poorly managed clubs being driven to the ground by their owners, and the people thinking that Valencia are just, you know, too big to fail or to suffer to avoid relegation are already having second thoughts. Finally, let's praise Huesca some more. You mentioned earlier that they have someone steering the ship. What in particular did you like from them and from Michel? You know, I like Huesca a lot. Um, the best thing you can say about them is that they didn't see Masai, who has just gone up from Segunda. I think Shinjo Kazaki had a brilliant performance and, now 34 years old, he was this close to score the best goal of the weekend with a huge volley with the right foot which went straight to the crossbar. All the team was incredibly disciplined while pressuring Valencia to recover the ball. They had 17 shots throughout the game. They enjoyed the best chances in the second half. They did everything to win and only the lack of firepower prevented them from doing so. Mitchell and his staff are doing an excellent job because their team has exactly what Valencia lack nowadays. It has personality. Thanks Paco. Tough times at Valencia. Tough times for Paco. So pray for Paco everyone. I think he needs it. Maybe we also need to pray for Elche who are back in La Liga and who only had a month to get ready for the new campaign. They only had 17 senior players for their first match of the campaign against Real Sociedad this weekend and new coach Jorge Almiron wasn't even registered in time to sit in the dugout. He had to watch this one from the stands as the side lost 3-0 to Real Sociedad. That scoreline maybe flatters La Real a little because Alex Ramiro had to make two incredible saves for his side in this one. Honestly, if you only watch one set of highlights from this La Liga weekend, maybe go and seek this game out because both of those saves are unbelievable. But it was 3-0 and a tough start for Elche. We're going to have a quick chat now with an Elche fan with Neil Parsons. Neil, just how hard has it been for the club to prepare for this season considering the short turnaround? I think it's been an exceptionally tough five-week period. Changing the manager losing so many important players who were instrumental in getting Alche promoted, left with a squad of 10 players. It will take a while for the team to gel with the new players come in and it's important to get some results over the next few months. 
and new coach Jorge Almiron couldn't even sit on the bench for this one because he wasn't registered in time. That's not a great situation, is it? Awful situation regarding the new manager. They've had five weeks to get the necessary paperwork complete. Hopefully it will be done this week and the club can then move forward. Yeah, that's not a great look at that. Let's hope Elche can have the captain of their ship in place for their next game. It's interesting that Almiron is there in the first place though because he took over from Pacheta who wasn't kept on despite delivering two promotions in three years. What did you think of that off-season coaching change? The new owner, Christian Braganik, obviously wanted to bring his own man in. Very disappointing to see Pacheta go. think he should have been given a chance after winning promotion. And I do wonder if the change of manager also resulted in so many players leaving. Yeah, that's a good point, Neil. You look at how many players stayed at the other newly promoted sides, Caddies and Huesca, where there were solid projects. But anyway, before I let you go, let's end on a slightly more positive note. If you had to pick one positive or one sign of encouragement for Elche from this match, what would it be? Standout player for myself was Edgar Badia in goal. Hopefully performances like that will give confidence to the rest of the team moving forward. Next four games are vitally important to try and get points against teams who will, will be in the lower half of the league as the season moves on. Let's keep our fingers crossed and hope. Thanks, Neil, for providing the lowdown from the world of Elche. And Neil's absolutely right. The next fixture is already a massive one for Elche as they go up against Ibar in midweek. That's an Ibar side that are winless so far. They drew their first game against Celta Vigo, then lost 2-1 to Villarreal and then 2-1 to Bass Rivals Athletic Club. It was a tough one to take for Ibar with Athletic Club's winner coming with just a few minutes left in the game as Unai Lopez scored a brace. It's also a real shame that this match, like all other games in Spain right now, couldn't have fans at it. The derby, this one in particular, is great fun in normal times, but of course, Iperua was empty on Sunday. Let's discuss some of the other matches from the weekend now before we go. Sevilla were back in La Liga action after narrowly losing the UEFA Super Cup against Bayern Munich on Thursday night. This weekend, they had an Andalusian derby away at Cadiz, another game where it's such a shame no fans could attend. The Cadiz fans, they would have been singing to the end even as their side lost 3-1. In Real Valladolid versus Celta Vigo, Iago Aspas was on fire again and along with Levante's Jose Luis Morales, he's the only other player on three goals already. His goal wasn't enough for the win though. Real Valladolid managed to earn a 1-1 draw with Sergi Guardiola equalising from the penalty spot. Then there was a goalless draw between Alaves and Hitafi, the only goalless game of this round, but it really could have been different had it not been for the goalkeepers. I think a draw was a fair result, but more like a 1-1 or a 2-2. Anyway, in the end, it was 0-0 for that one. So that brings us to the end of this matchday recap. But remember everyone, there is a midweek round about to start, and that means there will be a midweek matchday recap episode from us coming out first thing on Friday morning where we'll discuss the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday fixtures. So look out for that and please do tell your La Liga loving friends about it too. In the meantime, my thanks to Roman de Arker, Sam Leverage, Hassan Karim, Paco Pollitt and Neil Parsons for their contributions. I'm Hugh McTeer and it's been a pleasure to be your host. Thanks a lot for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.